finishing up a series today called There Is More. I want to grab your Bibles. Let me sort of give you the uh, synopsis of where we've been for the last couple of weeks. The last two weeks we have talked about uh, what it is to ask God for more, to believe God for more. So in the first week, we, we sort of dove into the story of Abraham. It's where we've been for the last couple of weeks. It's where we'll land today, the story of Abraham. And we said that Abraham left where God had called him out of, out of, out of Babylon, out of Ur, and he went to, uh, he was headed to the promised land, the promise that God had for him, but he stopped halfway in a place called Haran. And we said that that city is the same name of the son that he lost, a, a boy of his, a son of his that died before they left town. And we said that it's very easy for you and I to sort of get lost and stop and get, you know, sort of get hung up inside of the place of our hurt. We get hung up in the place of our complacency, and we said, you know what, God's got more for us beyond that. Then last week we talked about God answering big prayers, that God can do anything, that the God of the Bible is the God of more than enough, that we don't have to just pray survival prayers, that we can pray big prayers and believe God uh, for more. And so that's kind of where we are. We're going to end today sort of talking about this idea of stretching for more. I'm going to try to teach today. I'm a preacher by nature, and, and, and you'll just get to know that the longer that you come to City Hills Church. You're going to know I'm a preacher just um, in my heart. There, there's, a, there's a little black bishop that lives inside of me, and he wears a robe, and he has a necklace. You know what I'm talking about? And he wants to come out every once in a while, but I, I keep him down. <laughs> bishop G.E. Patterson lives inside of me, and I, I, I keep him suppressed. So I'm going to try to talk today. So some of you know who Bishop Patterson is. Some of you do not know. who You're like, who is that, Margaret? Who is Bishop Patterson? Just know this. I can preach, okay? But I'm going to try to teach today and help us. I want to talk about developing and maintaining vision in your life. Developing and maintaining vision in your life. Here's the, the verse that we've used. Ephesians, the third chapter, in verse 20, we've said this. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work. Everybody say, in me. Come on, say, in me. His mighty power. I will preach if y'all don't preach with me now. I'm warning you now. His mighty work at power within me to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. We said that God can do more than we could ever ask or think, that nothing's impossible with God, that whatever it is that you need God to do, God's got more for you, that wherever you are, God's got greater for you, that sort of wherever you are in life and your relationships and your marriage, on your job and your kids and your finances, that God wants to stretch you and do more in your life. Here's, here's the first thing I want you to, I want you to know. It's impossible to grow your relationship with God unless you're willing to receive more of God. It's impossible to grow your relationship with God unless you're willing to receive more favor from God than you could possibly imagine. And unless you're willing to receive more grace from God than you could possibly imagine. Listen, there's some people who struggle in their faith simply because they, they don't believe they deserve for God to do anything more in them. You know what I mean? Maybe you've met people like this. Maybe you are a person like this. You say, God, I mean, you've forgiven me of so much. You've done so much already. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ask for anything more. Listen, you'll never go to greater heights. Your spiritual life will never grow. You'll never receive more unless you increase your capacity and say, God, I'm never going to deserve this, but I need more. I'm never going to deserve this, but I need more. And so I want you to stretch yourself. And this week I want to talk about what it means to stretch your mind and to develop and maintain vision in your life. At the top of your notes, on the back of that worship guide that you got today, I hope that you're taking notes. You can just reach over and grab somebody's pen out of their purse, whoever's purse it is. It doesn't really matter. Just, just reach in there and grab something and take good notes today while we talk about vision today. Here's the first thing I want you to know the top of your, the top of your, your notes that you're taking there. Life with vision is powerful, but life without vision is perishing. Life with vision is powerful, and life without vision is perishing. How many of you wear glasses or contacts? Would you just raise your hand? Would you do me a favor and take those off? Just 
take them off and look around. Some of you, this is the only reason you married your spouse is because you weren't wearing glasses then. Because <laughs> the moment you put them on, you're like, oh, my God, what did I do? What did, oh, Lord, just don't, don't get me till I get my contacts in in the morning, okay? Don't, don't get close to me like that. When I take my glasses off, all of y'all are beautiful. I'm, I'm serious. Everybody looks so good when I take my glasses off. I can't see. What's it called when you can't see far off? What side is that? Nearsighted, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm nearsighted. I can't see far off. So, like, I, I, I can see my notes better without my glasses, but I can't see any of you. Sometimes late at night, I like to take them off and just drive and have a good time. You know what I mean? Just, just kind of wherever it is that we end up, Brandy's scared to death. And, and I don't do that. I really, I wouldn't do that. Listen, when you live your life without vision, it's like taking off your glasses. Everything seems blurry. You, you, you may can get through, but it's dangerous for everybody around you. You know what I'm saying? It, it, you, you may can make, I've seen some of your glasses are like Coke bottles. Like you can see my thoughts right now. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to have your glasses on. If you, if, if you don't wear vision in your life, you may can make it through, but everything's blurry. And everything is dangerous. You don't want to be driving without your glasses or your contacts. You don't want to get dressed in the morning. You ever get dressed without your glasses on and you get to work and you sit down and you go, Oh my God. These are two different shoes. True story. Two, two different shoes. One time, I, we, I worked with a guy who uh, wore, wore contacts, and he didn't put his contacts in, and he was colorblind anyway, which is kind of funny because we would always have a good time with that. But he got to work that day, and my hand to God, he had a brown shoe and a black shoe on. And I don't know how they don't fit differently, or maybe they were the exact same shoe, just he had one pair of black, one pair in brown. Have you ever done that? When You know, you just get dressed, and it's just, you think, man, what did I do? None of this matches. And your wife is like, yeah, I know, but you always look goofy. So I thought you were just going for that today. Like, I didn't know that was I didn't know that was something you were trying to change today. You got to wear your glasses. Listen, your life is that way. If you don't have vision in your life, it is not a good life. Life with vision is powerful, but life without it is perishing. Listen, just like we ought to celebrate life with vision, we ought to be scared to live a life without vision. You ought to be scared if you don't have vision in your life. You ought to be scared if you don't have a vision for where God wants to take you. God wants to take your family. God wants to take your finances. What God wants to do in your spiritual life. It ought to scare us if we don't have a plan, if we don't have vision, if we don't have somewhere to go. And here's the reason why Proverbs 29 and 18 says this, where there is no vision, listen close, the people perish. Another translation says it like this. The New International Version says the people cast off restraint. They cast off restraint. In other words, when you don't have vision in your life, people without vision, they live aimlessly. They, they're not going anywhere. They live lethargically. You ever met somebody who's just not motivated to do anything? They just they play video games all day. Come on, look straight at me. Don't punch your husband. Just look right at me. They just, they just play video games. They just You know, they don't take care of themselves. People that... You know, they bathe every couple of days. You know what I'm talking about? They're just not really, they just have no vision for their life. And they've been in the same job for 20 years. And there's promotion that comes and promotion that goes by. And, and, and advancement comes and advancement goes by. And you're going, man, what's wrong with you? Let me tell you what's wrong with them. It's not laziness most of the time. It's lack of vision. It's that they don't have a perceived future. They don't see that God has more for them. They don't see that life can give them more. They don't have a vision for the future. And if you don't have a vision for where you're going, you'll just stay right where you are. People without vision, they're, they're, they're passive with their life decisions. You ever met somebody who couldn't make decisions? I have a trouble making decisions. Would you raise your hand? Let's just all confess if you have a problem making decisions. Yeah. yeah. Your husband's going to raise your hand for you. I, one of the things I, I like to do and I hate to do is grocery shop. I do all the grocery shopping in our house, not because my wife won't, just because I enjoy it. It's, I, I don't know why. I just like going to the aisles, and I'm like, well, it looks good. Let's do that until we get 
to the cereal aisle. And the cereal aisle is far too big for me. There's way too many choices. I have two babies. I told you a four-year-old and a two-year-old. They like anything that they shouldn't like for breakfast and for cereal. So I know if it's got a cartoon character and it's made out of just sugar, that's the thing that they want. But when it comes to cereal for us, I never know what to get. And I literally, I'll spend 15, 20, 30 minutes on the cereal aisle. You ever been there? Just staring, just walking up and down. And it's not changing Nothing's changing. All the cereal is the same exact cereal the first time I walked by. My wife will go straight in. She'll put three or four boxes in the basket and just go into the next aisle. It doesn't really matter. I don't even know if I like this stuff in here. I've just made a decision. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know if we're allergic to this. It doesn't matter. Break out in hives. Get over it. Suck it up. Come on, princess. Listen to this and make it happen. Not me. I agonize over decisions. People who have vision problem, they, they can't make decisions in their life. I'm not talking about serial decisions. I'm talking about big decisions like, should we really get plugged into church? Let me help you on that. The answer is yes. <laughs> should, should we really get planted? Should, should, should I take this job or this job? And listen, they'll agonize over making the wrong decision. And before long, the promotion that was offered to them is now gone. Why? Because they took too long. They didn't have vision for their life. If they had vision going into that decision, they would know. As soon as this decision comes along, as soon as this promotion comes along, I'm going to take it because I'm headed that direction. You understand what I'm saying? People that agonize over buying a house or buying a car. I, I always, or buying a shirt. You know, when I, when I, when I buy clothes, I'll... I'll pick up something and just fill the basket up. Do you do this? I just ride around with 50 shirts inside of my basket at TJ Maxx. Y'all knew that's where I shopped. Uh, I'm in TJ Maxx. And I just got all these shirts in there. And, and, and I, it, literally, there'll be 10, 15 shirts in the basket. And I'm not going to buy one of them. I know I'm not going to buy one of them. My wife knows I'm not going to buy any of them. I just want to look through them all. I just want to keep talking about it. I'm not talking about buying shirts. I'm talking about big stuff. Like you, you, you can't buy a car. You can't buy a house. Are we supposed to rent? Are we supposed to buy a house? Why does that happen in your life? Most of the time, it's because we don't have vision. If you had vision for your life, you'd say, here's where we're going. I know what God's called us to do. Listen, God's going to give us a house. We're going to pray, and God's going to want us to get planted in Bernie. And then we're going to get planted in a great new church that just started at an elementary school. I'm just saying, perhaps. And then we're, we're just, this, this is what God's calling us to do. We're going to serve. We're going to give. We're going we're to use what God's given us. I've got vision for the future. But if you don't, you just sort of live your life without making Decision. People without without vision, they just they gamble too much, they spend too much, they play too many video games, they watch TV too much, they criticize too much. Visionless people are always critical of people who have more. You know why? Because people who have more generally are people of vision who know this is where I'm going and this is what I'm going after. And people who lack vision criticize everybody else because of your lack of vision. I wish we had more. I don't know why it is God's blessed them. I don't even like her. Why would God give her all that? She don't even need all that. I don't know why I just talk like that. She doesn't, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve a bigger house. We work harder. We have more hours. We, we, we do. I went to college more than they went to college. And you criticize what everybody else has got. Listen, not because you're really jealous of what they have it's because you don't have vision for your own life you don't have vision for where God wants to take you as powerful as life is with vision it is at best a slow death without vision at best it's a slow death without vision you, you and I have to have vision a life void of vision is a perishing life it's a dying life. It is dying quickly. I, I had an, a, an old preacher in my life who used to say this. Let's either get busy with living or get busy with dying. You know what I mean? Let's just do one or the other. And if you're living your life without vision, you're getting busy dying. It's a perishing life. So I just want to give you three simple things today. I told you I was going to teach today. I'm not going to preach as long as you agree not to sleep. I'm just going to give you three simple things to leave today with living a life of vision, maintaining and developing vision. I hope you're taking notes. Genesis 13 
is sort of where we'll end uh, our, our talk about uh, Abraham. The last couple of weeks we talked about Abraham and him leaving Ur. Let me again remind you the story. Remember God calls him out of Ur, the Chaldees. He said, you go somewhere and I'm going to give you the land that you walk on. And so here's, here's some of that story. Genesis 13, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him. Now let me just catch you up. Abraham has his nephew, Lot. Remember his brother, Lot's father, Haran, died. And so Lot sort of is an adopted son. Abraham travels everywhere with Lot now. And, and they're headed to the promised land. And the Bible says that Lot and Abraham separated. And, and this is what happens after that separation. Abraham tells Lot, you can take any land that you want. Matter of fact, they had a, literally had a meeting, a family meeting. They said, look, our families are fighting. Our cattle are fighting. Our pets' heads are falling off. Everything's bad. <laughs> Dumb and dumber, anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everything's going bad, so let's just separate. And so he said, Lot, you choose wherever you want to go. And so Lot chose what was the fertile plain down by uh, the water. And so this is that d- discussion that happens after that. So the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had departed from him, he said, lift up your eyes from where you are. Underline that. And look north and south and east and west. And all the land that you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Verse 17. Go and walk through the length and breadth of the land. Go and walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Underline that part. Two things I want to bring to your attention. The first thing that he said is, I want you to lift up your eyes from where you are. The second thing he said, I want you to go and walk around where you are. Here's the first way that you develop and maintain vision in your life if you're taking notes. You have to lift up your eyes from where you are. you got to lift up your eyes from where you are. Vision is always started and stirred by seeing something outside of the context of our current reality. Vision is always started and stirred by seeing something outside of the context of our current reality. Abraham sort of left in Genesis 13. You remember, he had left Ur, but he hadn't gone anywhere. He hadn't landed anywhere. And up until this time, he was just a nomad. Let me tell you what a nomad is. A nomad just travels from place to place. A gypsy, a nomad life. They just travel from place to place. And they, and listen, they just live off whatever the land has. This is super important. I want you to catch this. Whatever the land has available in that particular area, they, you know, they sort of exploit the land for that. All the animals, all the vegetation, all the grass there and when they kill all of that when all of that's gone they just pack up and go somewhere else that's the way a nomad lives and so up until this point this is how Abraham had followed God he had just sort of nomadically traveled from place to place and he would live off whatever the land had for him here and as soon as this had dried up he went on to the very next place now God was telling him something different listen close here's the vision piece of what God said he said I want you to lift your eyes and see something that you don't currently see outside of the context of your current reality. Abraham, your current reality is that you don't have land that's your own. Listen, but I want to make you a landowner. I want you to go find a piece of land and I want you to plant that land. Up until now, listen, in human history, up until now, people had not had land ownership rights. You you didn't just own a particular part of land. Nobody had property that they owned. And God said, Abraham, I'm going to change the context of your reality. I'm going to give you land that's yours. And listen, you're not going to leave that land. You're going to plant in that land and you're going to begin to harvest out of that land. Now, I'm, I'm tempted to preach, so y'all, i got to pull back. Listen close. There's some of you who have been living your life nomadically, never planted anywhere. 
And you look at your life and you say, why isn't there harvest here? Well, here's the reason why. Because you've raped and pillaged and plundered all that you can get out of this season and you never planted anything for the next season. When this season dries up, you just sort of pack up and say, come on, baby, let's go. Let's go to the next place. When this job's over with, we'll just go to the next job. When we get kicked out of this house, you know what I'm saying? We hadn't paid the rent in four, five, six months, whatever. When they finally change the locks, you know what I mean? And we can't break a window, we'll just leave here and go somewhere Go somewhere else. When, when, when this church, you know, when, 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 they, when they sing a song we don't like, that, that'd be it. That'd be our signal. We'll just know. We'll leave. We'll go somewhere else. We'll find a different church. When, when, when this city, when we, you know, when we just decide, it's that we'll just pack up and we'll go somewhere else. Some of you have been leaving the seasons of your life and never been planted anywhere in your life. Listen close. And up until this point, this is how Abraham had lived. It was just nomad. It was just living off the land. And God said, listen, I want you to get a piece of land, and I'm going to give you some ownership. I want you to get planted in that piece of land. I want you to have vision for something that's different. I know it's not your current reality. I know nobody's ever owned land before, Abraham, but you're going to own some land. Nobody's ever planted a garden before, but you're going to plant a garden. Nobody's ever had a piece of land and said, this is mine and we're going to harvest it. There are going to be seasons here. There are going to be times we plant here and then there are going to be times we harvest here. But we're not leaving this piece of ground. If you go to Israel today, listen close. It doesn't matter what you believe politically. It doesn't matter sort of what aisle, the side of the aisle that you're on. Here's all that I know. God promised Abraham and his descendants that piece of real estate. And as long as this earth exists, that piece of real estate will belong to the descendants of Abraham. It just will. Because God said, I'm going to get you planted in that land. Some of you need to get planted in your life. Some of you need to have vision for owning a piece of land. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily mean a house, though some of you that could be what's next in your life. But some of you just need to have vision for owning. Listen, some of you, I'm going to talk to single people just real quick. All the married people don't listen because this ain't for you. Some of you need to go ahead and own it. Put a ring on it. Come on, somebody. Some, it's time to, y'all been renting for about six, seven, eight, ten years together. Let's just own this. You know what I'm saying? What's wrong with saying, hey, listen, I want to build a life with you. I, I, I want, listen, we're supposed to get married. I, I want our life to have together. Some of you married people are like, not a bad idea. We, maybe we can find another one. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about single people. Listen, you, you need to get vision for what's next in your life. You, you, you need to decide to own some things in your life. You need to get ownership of your spiritual life. You need to, I, I want you to raise your context to where you are. I want you to lift your eyes up. I want you to see something that doesn't currently exist. I want you to find something in your life that doesn't currently exist and say, that's what I'm going after. That's the vision I want for my life. We don't have it yet. We're not there yet, but that's where we're headed. That's where we're going. We're going to get some vision because, honey, I'm tired of living lethargically. I'm tired of just being tired all the time. I'm tired of not having any vision in our lives. You can create a future that doesn't currently exist. That's what Bill Gates did. That's what Paul Allen did when they sat around and computers were as big as this room. How many of you remember that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand if you remember that. They, they, they were, nobody had a computer in their own house, especially not in their own uh, pocket, not in their own hand. And, and, and Bill Gates and Paul Allen said, hey, why don't, we, why don't we do something that isn't currently there? And they saw something that didn't currently exist. It was outside of their current context and their current reality, but they had vision for the future. And now all of the world has changed because of that vision for the future. Uh, uh, Henry Ford, everybody was driving a horse and buggy. Everybody was just riding around in horse and buggy. And he said, there's got to be a better way. Surely we can automate this process. Listen, it didn't currently exist, but I can see something bigger than my current reality. 
in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, the old prophet Nehemiah. His people were in Babylon. They were in captivity. And his homeland, Jerusalem, the city that they were all from, had been destroyed. And, and the enemy had come in and torn down the walls and had razed the whole city. It was in a horrible economic collapse. It was just, it was a pitiful, it was a pitiful place. And Nehemiah said, I know my city looks bad now. I know the walls are torn down now. I know they're in economic trouble now. But I've got vision for the future. And the Bible said that he rebuilt the walls in record time and he rebuilt his city. Why? Because he saw something that didn't currently exist. He raised his eyes. You and I are not supposed to leave our eyes constrained on where we currently are. We've got to have vision for our life. We've got to have vision for more in our life. We've got to raise our eyes above where we currently are. So the first thing God told Abraham to do is lift your eyes up and see where you are going. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. You've got to see yourself like God sees you. You've got to see yourself like God sees you. If you're going to develop and maintain vision in your life and your family and your spiritual life and your marriage, you've got to see yourself like God sees you. Vision needs you to embrace a you that isn't currently you. Come on, vision's got to, you got to learn how to embrace a you that isn't currently you. Genesis 13, God goes to Abraham and he says, let me tell you how I see you. I see you as the father of many nations. I see you as the father of descendants that are like the dust. If anybody can count the dust and the sand on this planet, he said, that's how many descendants I'm going to give you. And God said, I see you differently. And Abraham said, God, you don't know yet. We don't have babies and, and Sarah's old and I'm old and we're past our prime. And God says, no, 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 no. I don't see you like you see you I see you differently some of us need to sort of reinvent how we see ourselves some of us need to sort of say God how do you see me not how do I see me but how do you see me how do you see me using my gifts and talents how do some of you have said I'm just not this and then you fill in the blank with what you're not man I'm not a leader I just can't be a leader. I've always sort of been quiet in the background. And, and, and today, in this service, when we talked about connect groups, God sort of whispered to your heart, you need to start a connect group. Some of you are thinking, there's just no way. I can't do that. I've never been a leader. And God says, no, no, no. I don't see you like you see you. I see you differently. I see you leading people. I see you investing in people's lives. I see you helping people grow their relationship with God. I see you getting people connected, getting people plugged in. I see you differently. And God's talking to your heart. Some of you said, man, I've I, I just, I'm too afraid to do anything in church. I'm afraid to talk in front of people. So am I. I'm nervous every single time. I've stood in stadiums of tens of thousands of people and, and had the opportunity to preach. And every single time I get nervous. Moses, the God's spokesman to the, to, to, to the whole children of Israel. There are millions of people standing there. And he goes to the most powerful king on planet earth. And he speaks for God. And Moses stuttered terribly. Terribly he stuttered. You know why? God says, I see you differently than you see you. And some of you said, man, I just can't do this. I just, there's just no way. I can't be that. I, 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 don't, I don't see myself leading that way. I don't see myself doing that. And God says, no, 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 I see you doing differently. M many of you think that you just can't do something for God. Some of us, listen, there's a lot of people who just become a Christian for fire insurance. You'll, you'll get that in a minute. Most people just become a Christian just so they don't go to hell. Let me make it real easy for you. You know what I'm saying? It's just really easy. I just don't want to go to hell. So whatever I got to do, whatever you tell me to do not to go to hell, that's what I'm going to do. Believe this or not, listen, I grew up in a very religious context, an extremely religious context. I'm fourth generation. My, my great-grandparents got saved in an old Pentecostal church, and I grew up in a, in, a, in a very religious context. But listen close. I grew up believing whatever you tell me to do not to go to hell, that's, that's just all I want to do. 
Whatever that thing is, just make me a list. Come on, I'm a list kind of guy. Anybody a list kind of guy in the room? Just make me a list. Tell me what to do. I'm going to look at the list. I'm going to go, I didn't do that. I did, I did that. Uh-oh. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I'm good. I, I can repent of that one thing. I can get that one thing out. I can do this differently. I can change this. I can tweak this little thing right here. And then I won't go to hell. I like lists. Listen, God did not save you. Listen close. Just so you won't go to hell. God saved you. And redeemed you to do something magnificent on this planet. God saved you for a purpose. Jesus changed your life for a purpose. You and I are supposed to add value to this planet. You and I are supposed to make a difference in the lives of other people. You and I were born for a purpose. Not just so we, we don't die and go to hell. No, no, no. God says, I've got something for you to do while you're here. It's not just fire insurance. I, I, I want you to do something. I, I want you to have a different life. I see you as something different. I see you as more than you are. I, I saved you so you would do something to make a difference in this world. Just like these musicians that you see on the stage here. Listen, nobody here was born playing the drums or keys or guitar or singing. Nobody was. Now, my little babies are very rhythmic. You're welcome on that. I, I probably did that. I'm just saying. But but they're not born. I'm kidding. My wife is. They're, they're not born playing. They're not blo- born singing. You weren't born playing or singing. You know what happened to these musicians? At some point in their life, they awkwardly picked up a guitar, and they just sort of strummed it a little bit, and it sounded terrible. They, or they put a microphone in their hand, and it sounded awful and that they couldn't sing on pitch and they they didn't have any rhythm and then the longer they did what they did they realized man maybe this was my purpose maybe this is what God saved me to do and then they kept working on that and they said God sees you differently listen close God sees you differently God sees you as a finished product and you and I see ourselves sort of in that beginning and in that beginning we get scared and say I can't do anymore I don't know if I can do this and God says no 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 I see more for you Jesus did this to a man in the Bible named Simon. You know him as Peter, but all of his life he had been known as Simon. And Simon meant read. It meant somebody who had a bad temper. Don't raise your hand if you know somebody like that or you're married to somebody like that. But Simon just had a terrible temper. Matter of fact, even when Jesus changed his life, you'll find Peter sort of, you know, popping off at the wrong time. And at one time he just drew out his sword and went to cut somebody's head off. And luckily they ducked and he got an ear. But listen, Peter just, Simon just sort of had this sort of temper. And God, God, God comes on the scene. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, Simon, I see you differently. And the Bible says he changed his name. He said, no longer will you be called Simon, that supplanter, that reed. No longer will you be one that's, that's shaken by your past. But I see you differently. You're not just shaken in the wind, Simon. You're Peter. And Peter means rock. And upon this rock, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on you. Listen close. Listen close. God sees you differently than you see yourself. God has a different plan. He sees something far bigger than you could see. And I can imagine what happens in Simon's life when he goes home and tells his wife, Hey, I met somebody today. And uh, he kind of calls me something different and I like it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, like if I went home today and I told my wife, Listen, I, think, I, I appreciate you calling me Mitch. Or I was raised all my life. It was Mitchell. And my mom still, it's, it's Mitchell. And, and so, but when, when I became a teenager, you know, my friends and, and Brandy, Mitch is what I went by. But I've decided now at 35, I'm going to go by Blaze. <laughs> I want you to just I, I, heretofore I shall be known as Blaze. I want everybody. I want you to call me Pastor Blaze. Peter walks into the house and he says, "Honey, listen. I know you've known me as Simon, but I met somebody today, and and, and he's called me Peter. And I can imagine his wife looking around, going, Peter, huh? <laughs> 
rock. You're telling me somebody called you rock. I know you, Simon. I know you're a reed. I know you you can't make a decision. I I, I know you don't have any vision. I, I know you just go. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. He saw something in me that I don't see in me. He, he saw something in me that you don't see in me. He, 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 he told me that I was going to be a rock. And that on this rock, he was going to build a church that would last for all of eternity. Listen, and that's exactly what happened. God sees something in you that you don't see in you. The second thing you've got to do if you're going to develop a life of vision, if you're going to develop and maintain vision in your life, you, you, you have to be able to see yourself like God sees you. If you believe you can't play an instrument, you won't pick it up. If you believe you can't lead a connect group, you'll never do it. If you believe you can't be used, as long as it remains impossible to you, then God says, I can't do anything with it. The moment you go, okay, God, you tell me how you see me. You tell me what you have for me. You tell me what vision you have in my life. And when I start to see myself like God sees me, everything changes in my life. And vision becomes clear in my life. Are you there? Say amen. Here's the third thing. Here's the final thing that we're going to talk about today. The third thing you've got to do if you're going to develop and maintain vision in your life. God said, Abraham, I want you to raise your eyes from where you are. I want you to see something that doesn't currently exist. And he says, I see something in you that you don't currently see. And this is so interesting. The very third thing, the last thing he told Abraham to do. He said, Abraham, I want you to get up and walk around the land. The third thing you have to do if you're going to develop and maintain vision in your life you have to walk around in the future. You have to walk around in the future. God says, Abraham, I want you to start walking around in, in that land that I'm going to give you. God, practically, God says, I literally want you to get up and just walk around. The reason you have to walk around, listen close, the reason you have to walk around in your future is because vision has no immediate answers to legitimate questions. Vision has no immediate answers to legitimate questions. Abram goes to God and he says, God, I hear you. I, I lifted my eyes. I see what you have for me. I hear you calling me the father of many nations. I hear that you have something for me. I hear that there's bigger in my life. I know that you've called me to more. I know you called me to get planted here. But God, I, I got some questions. I don't know where we're going to live. <laughs> but Sarah wants to know what, where we're going to live at. And that's, a, that's a legitimate question. I don't know if they got any houses where I'm going. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if we got a job where I'm going, God. I, I, I just, I, I, I got I to gotta get some answers. And here's the, here's the truth. Vision does not have clear answers for legitimate questions. So God says, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up and I want you to walk around in the future. Vision doesn't know how it's going to become a reality. And lots of people in this room, lots of vision has died in the place of premature questions. God, I, I, I would follow you, but I don't know what's next. God, I listen, I hear you calling me to more. I know that there's something bigger. I know that there's something greater, but I've got too many questions. And so we die. Literally, our visions die in the land of premature questions. Of saying, God, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how we're going to feed our family. I don't know where we're going to live. I know what this is like. Brandy and I have been married 16 years, and, and we have two small children. I told you that. And what I decided to do is well, I, we, 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 had, we had some problems having babies, so it was 10 years before we had babies, and then our babies are real small. Right when things started to get right and we had two small children, I went to my wife and said, Hey, I'm thinking about being homeless and unemployed. Where are you at on that? <laughs> I'm thinking about leaving this big church with salaries and retirement and savings. I'm thinking about moving to Planet Church. I'm thinking God's called us to more. I'm thinking we can't get comfortable where we are. I'm thinking God's got bigger plans for us. Where are you at on that? And, and to be honest with you, listen, we both had premature questions. How are we going to eat? We got two small kids. How are we going to live? 
Where are we going to live? How are we going to afford a house? How are we going? I, you know, I've, I've got a habit of eating. Come on, I know you can't tell by looking at me, whatever. I, I, I do. Okay, I kind of like it. How are we going to keep doing that? I don't, I don't know. I, I got some premature conceit. Let me tell you what we did. Let me tell you, my hand to God, this is what we did. For weeks and months and months, this is literally what we did. For 2015, almost a full year, we would, we would drop our babies off at, at my in-laws, at their grandparents, and we would get in the car, and we would literally drive to Bernie, Texas, and we'd just ride around. We'd look at houses we couldn't afford, <laughs> still can't afford. We'd look, we'd, look at, we'd look at neighborhoods we knew we couldn't live in right now. We'd look at venues. We, we, we didn't even know what we were talking about. We'd drive by a place and go, I wonder if a church could come here. I wonder if this could be a place our church could meet. We, 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 would drive by, we drove by this school. We drove by other schools. We drove by the movie theater. We drove by Leon Springs. We would go and we would ride around in Fair Oaks Ranch and we'd dodge all the deer. You know what I'm talking about? We, we would just sit out. This is true. Anybody live in Fair Oaks? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, Fair Oaks Ranch. I love I want to live with y'all. I love your houses in Fair Oaks. We would, we would drive to the country club. Don't tell nobody if, if you work for the country club. I'm sorry. We would drive to the country club and I, you know, I'd wear my pretty clothes like I belong there. And I would literally, we would walk out, and there's rocking chairs out there. You know what I'm talking about, Fair Oaks Ranch people? You know what I'm talking about? There's rocking chairs. And we would just sit there and we'd rock. Why? I'm just walking around in the future. I don't even know where we're going to live. I don't know if any of these people are going to come. I don't know if any of these people are going to come to church. We'd pray. We'd say, God, that house over there. I don't know who that is. But man, I'd love if they'd come to city. I don't know what they have. I don't, I don't know what it is that, the, that their, their contribution to the kingdom, but, but God, they're going to make a difference. And we'd pray and we'd, we'd watch the deer and we'd watch people play golf. We just walked around in the future. And some of us need to know what it's like to walk around in our future. Our musicians are coming. I want to give you a chance to sort of soak all this in. Some of you need to know what it's like. You need to walk around in your future today. You literally need to go walk around in the place where, where God's calling you to more. You literally need to leave here and go, honey, let's just go driving. Let's just go see what it would be like. Some of you need to walk up to that corner office that you've been believing God for. Not, not when your boss is there, but when he's not there. Just kind of peep in and think about how you're going to change around the furniture. I don't like the desk over there. I'm going to move it over there when I get here. Why, why is that? You're crazy. No, 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 no. That's vision for our future. I just got Some of you need to go test drive cars you can't afford right now. Your car's about to die. You know it's about to die. You can't afford a payment to save you. Come on, you can't pay attention right now. But you, you just need to go to, go, go, go to Nissan. Just get, tell me the best one you got. I want to drive that one. You can't afford this, sir. It doesn't matter. Honey, why are we doing this? You know why? Because this is where God's going to take us. I've got vision for more than where we are. Some of you need to test drive serving. Some of you literally this week... You need to find somebody at Next Steps. One of our pastors is at Next Steps today. You need to walk up and go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I've got to get to serving. You don't have to, you, you don't have to have all next week. You don't have to have the right place. Maybe it's kids this week and it's, and it's, and, and it's greeting people next week. And it, maybe it's not right on the stage. You just need to test drive being planted. Some of you need to test drive giving. You, you don't have to do it every week. You just need to say, okay, God, here's my tithe. I don't even know what this is like. I'm just walking around in the future. I'm just walking around. Some of you need to walk around in a marriage that's better than where you are. Some of you need to walk around in the future where, where, where life is better and marriage is better and, and life changes and things get better in your life. You just need to walk around. God says, Abraham, listen, I just want you to walk around. Listen, you, you'll never have all of the instructions for this. Vision requires assembly. Listen close. Vision requires assembly, but assembly instructions are not included. You ever bought something from Ikea? 
we, we, we bought several things. We lived in Austin for six years before we moved to the hill country. And we had an Ikea in, in North Austin. So we would buy, my house is full of it. We, you know, my kids stuff. And it's great. It's wonderful stuff. It really is. And it's, it's super affordable. But when you, if you never bought from Ikea, you could buy everything on this stage in a box about this thick right here. Every, everything on this stage comes in a box about like that. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor G? Every, everything's in a box like that. And inside that box, it's about this big, are instructions that are written in 47 languages, okay? It's, it's, it's like it's written in tongues, and you don't have the interpretation. You know what I'm saying? And, and, I, and literally, we would get something home, and, and we would just, I would, uh, it was just everything everywhere. We'd lay it all out everywhere, and I would bring the instructions out, and I would go through Spanish and English and, and speaking in tongues. I would just, I would turn it upside down, and we'd find the English, and listen. And I would look at that little fellow in that picture, and I'd go, Whatever you're doing, I, I got none of those parts that you're doing right now. I don't even know where that is, brother. I don't know who this person is, but he, he ain't real. And we would, just, we would just look at it and we'd go, okay, well, that's, that's the base. And so this, I guess this goes here. And, and, and eventually, when you buy enough Ikea furniture, you realize sort of how it all comes together. You know what I mean? It's like playing Tetris, which I kind of enjoyed anyway. So we would take, you know, a week or two and we'd put together a bookshelf. <laughs> you know? and, and sometimes you'd get something together and it'd be leaning. and you'd go, Brandy, I never hit one time. She goes, I don't think I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> Listen, there are going to be some things in your life you put together. Kind of lame. It's okay. We can tear it down do it again. There are going to be some stuff in your life you're going to have vision for that don't come with instructions. Vision requires assembly, but assembly instructions are not included. So some of you are just going to kind of fumble through the next phase of your life. That's okay. Some of you have never been planted in church. You're going to get planted here. You don't even know what it means. This is a brand new church. You're thinking, man, I'm just giving these folks a shot. Listen, we're not going anywhere. This church is here to stay. Listen, this church has vision for big things. Listen close. Let me just talk. Can I let you in a little bit on it? Listen, don't tell anybody I told you, okay? Listen, the church you're in today, not long from now, there are going to be thousands of people that gather here. We're going to have multiple campuses all over the hill country. If you live in Bulverde, we're going to have a campus in Bulverde and Spring Branch. We're going to be in Dripping Springs. We're going to go to Kerrville. We're going to go to New Braunfels. We're going to be all over the hill country. We're going to plant City Hills churches. You say, how are you going to do that? You don't even have a building. I don't know how. But the other day, Brandy and I got in the car. We drove down 46. And we just walked around in our future. You say, we don't, we don't have the worship team for that. I, I, I know we don't. I, I don't have any of the instructions. Listen, I don't, know, I don't have a clue. We don't have the staff for that. We don't have the building. We don't, we don't have the money. Listen, we will always have more vision than we have money in this church. Always. We'll always have more vision than we have resources. And in your life, you need to live a life of vision that you've always got more than what you can currently handle. Just get up and walk around in it. Everybody's standing all over the house. I know I've gone long today. Bow your heads. Grab your spouse by the hand. I'm going to pray for you. Everybody praying together. I want you to pray a vision kind of prayer. I want you to pray a there is more prayer. Come on, the last couple of weeks we've been stretching ourselves. I really want you to do that. If you're here alone, I want you to take somebody by the hand you sit next to in church. Come on, everybody touching somebody. Come on, dream team. Find somebody who doesn't have somebody with them. Put your arm around theirs. Put your arm around their shoulder. Put your hand inside of theirs. Jesus, I pray for the people who are in this room today. Father, I pray that you'll touch their hearts. God, I recognize that everybody here has potential. I recognize that in this room there's vision for more. God, you've got bigger, you've got more, you've got greater. God, you've got spiritual lives that are dynamic and full of life and full of passion. Even when it feels stale and cold and dry now. 
God, in this room, you've got marriages that are healthy and thriving, even though they're just barely hanging on today. God, in this room, you've got finances that are prospering. You've got abundance. You said in your word that it's God, that God gives us the ability to create wealth. There are people in the room today who are barely getting by, but there's potential for a miracle. I pray for more. I pray that this place is always a place of vision. I pray that when people pull into when people pull into Kendall Elementary and they drive that long drive down that literally vision begins to swell in their heart. I pray when they walk inside of an elementary school, God, years from now, decades from now, when we look back and we have buildings and campuses and thousands of people, that we never forget the day that everybody drove on a campus and sat in metal folding chairs and said, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more for us. I pray that when the staff is bigger than the people that are in the room, we never forget that there's more, that God's got more for us, that God's always stretching us that there's vision for more. Now everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes are closed. Maybe you're in the room today. You know what it's like to need more in your life. You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. You've never given your life to God. Listen, if that's you, if you've never fully surrendered your heart, I want to give you a chance to make a fresh start today. You just simply pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you that you came that I may have life. God, I surrender my heart to you. God, I'm ready for a more life, but i got to surrender this life I've got to you right now. So I do that now. I repent of my sins. I give you my whole heart. God, I turn around. I'm deciding to follow you today. I give you everything. I'm making a fresh start. Some of you are coming home today. It's not that you never were saved. You just sort of walked away, and today's the day you're coming home, saying we got to get planted. we got to get vision for more. Come on, we got to connect with this house full of dreams. full of God, I want you to birth something in me again. Ministry again. Hearts again. God, give us fresh vision for more. In Jesus' name. Thank you.